Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Around the world. Around the clock. Endurance racing direct to you. RadioLeMans.com. the roar before the Rolex 24 in Daytona. Welcome everyone to RadioLamont.com's coverage of the weekend of testing before the Rolex 24 for 2015. Jim Roller and Shay Adam with you for day two. Shay, today has dawned beautiful clear skies. The temperatures are a little bit warmer. It's still chilly by Florida standards. A little bit more comfortable today and that's great because there's a lot of track time for these guys today. There is a lot. Five and a half hours total between four sessions split up, and we get that glorious night session where we get to see the lights all lit up, the cars just going around doing their things. It'll be the first chance for some of these drivers to ever get on track at night. As we heard from Earl Bamber yesterday, he doesn't have a lot of night driving experience, so tonight will be an opportunity for he and several other drivers in this paddock to get out there. But as you said, the weather's great. We've actually seen the sun out today, which is spectacular. And uh, it's supposed to go up into the 60s later, so we'll see if it actually gets there. But for Florida standards, it is very cold. I'm still in two jackets. Well, Shay, let's get started this morning with uh, the man who, if Tom Christensen is Mr. Lamar, I'm with Mr. Daytona, Hurley Haywood. Brumos Porsche back for the 24 hours in a couple of weeks with uh, quite the driver lineup. How'd this deal all come together? Well, we've been kind of working in, in, in the background on this program for about a month and a half, and all the players kind of got together, and we've w- worked with uh, John Wright before, so we knew him, and uh, the opportunity came up, and, and we made a merger between Brumos and, and John Wright Racing and, and Patrick Dempsey, so here we are, and it's really exciting. They they wanted to get the car in the Brumos um, colors, which is great for us, and uh, everything is going great according to plan. The car is quick. The drivers are really good. Patrick is right on the time, so everybody's happy. It wouldn't be the Daytona 24 Hours with a white Brumos Porsche with those beautiful blue and red stripes, would it? No, it, it, and, and, you know, we've had so many. This is our kind of our home track, and, and Brumos, this is kind of Brumos territory down here. So for us to be able to be in the race with a red, white, and blue car is really important. And we're going to be Sebring also, so, and then we'll kind of reevaluate how we're doing after Sebring, and then we might come back and do uh, the Petit and, and Watkins Glen. Now, the driver lineup that I spoke of earlier has quite a cross-section of, of folks Talk, let's start first. We'll go through them all with a man of your experience. What's it like working with somebody as young as Madison Snow? Well, Matt, Madison is young, but he's very mature in his attitude and how he approaches things. And Madison was uh, in our Porsche Young Driver shootout a couple of years ago in Barber, and that was the first time I've really gotten a chance to work with him. He was super shy, you know, very kind of, you know, almost introverted but he's really blossomed and, and he you know he follows the book he does exactly what he was is told to do he's super quick when he needs to be and he melds very well with the other drivers of course Patrick worked and, and knew Madison from last year because we had a you know the team was had two cars in the team 
And then uh, uh, Halen is super, super quick. I mean, he is really quick. And then the new guy, Philip, uh, who I didn't know anything about, and he's super quick. So, uh, and they're quick with being really easy with the car, which is so important for a 24-hour race. So you gotta, you know, even though this is kind of like 24 little mini sprint races, uh, you still have to have the right kind of touch. And these guys all kind of seem to have that right uh, feel for the car. Now you were around during the days of Paul Newman. You've seen uh, a lot of uh, actor drivers. I've got to say, as I've gotten to know Patrick over the years, he is as serious about this as you used to be when when you were just a professional race car driver. He's really in for the whole the whole yard here, isn't he? Well, he he is. You know, I I started working with Patrick uh, last year at, at this race. I've watched him sort of develop over the year. Uh, you know he's got so much on his plate when he comes to these races he's like a target and everybody wants to come talk to him everybody wants to touch him and uh that from a driver's standpoint that's super super distracting because he can't focus on what he really needs to do so we've sort of isolated him a little bit from from the masses and and I think it's working really well he's able to concentrate on the driving and when he he's when he's able to do that the performance is noticeable so and when he's happy and when he's calm then everything is is good what is the plan for a three-day test session like this is it just to get everybody seat time work out bugs what's the overall plan when you come to a session like this well pretty much you hit it i mean it's it's you know get everybody rotated through the car so they're able to feel what the car is get all the bugs worked out we have a new car and it's not a new car but it's a new tub and um make sure of all those properties are working properly and then just kind of fine-tuning and getting all the crew working together and getting their kind of the mindset to deal with 24 hours of racing in a few weeks and that's that's kind of what the purpose is we you know tonight we're we'll run through the night practice we'll get everybody night practice running at night here is really kind of a non-event because it's so well lit that you can drive around the whole racetrack with no no lights at all but it is you know i've always kind of and, and that's what the mindset is that the ra- the nighttime racing is really when all the racing goes on because it's cool and the, t- <coughs> the tires perform well so uh we want to have a good car that's both good at night and in, and in daytime. Do you miss it? I I miss it sometimes. I'll tell you, it, it's uh, when things are going bad and there's lots of you know, what should I do? What should I do? I I feel like, let me jump in and see what what I think. But you know, it, you just can't do that. So it's it's um, you know, I, I retired in 2012. I get enough time to run around in race cars enough, so I don't miss that part. And uh, you know, I don't. I, I miss it, but then again, I don't miss it because I'm able to work with really great drivers and great teams. So as long as I can do that and keep my hand in it that way, I'm, I'm perfectly happy. All right, your ride's waiting. I'm going to let you go. Have a good rest of your Thank, day. Thank you. Well, one of the most popular guys in the paddock today is Joey Hand. And, Joey, you're making your return to sports car racing in the U.S. You're wearing uh, very different colors than you did last time. That nice big blue oval is uh, on your fire suit. And you managed to go quickest yesterday. How good does it feel to get back into a prototype for starters? Oh, it feels really good. You know, I mean, uh, these cars are always – the prototype cars have always been really good to me. I, I enjoy driving them. But, you know, the biggest thing is I really enjoy driving for this team. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, Ford Power – 
it's a it's a big change for me. You know, it's my yesterday was my first day on the job. It was exciting to go P two in the morning and then P one in the afternoon. I felt, I mean, I really slipped into the thing and felt really right at home. So, I still got a lot of things to learn here. You know, uh, being a full time guy instead of just coming in here and driving one race, uh, I'm trying to find my way around how the system works really. And uh, but it's pretty easy. This this team, I've only driven for this team four races actually, but. Uh, it feels like I spent a lot of time here. It feels like I've done years with them, you know, and um, they make it really easy for me to come in and be comfortable. And I slide in, the seat fits, the, the guys are cool, uh, the car is fast, and, you know, it makes my job a lot easier. Well, you spent a lot of time racing in the States in the GT, what is now the GTLM category. How different is it to try and come in and fit in with the prototypes? Same competition level, or what, what are you dealing with? Oh, you still got really good cars, you got really good drivers, good teams. So, I mean, it's not too bad to, to slide in. And the biggest difference is, you know, the, the, what you're driving. I mean, you're driving the fastest car on the track, you know, so you're passing all the other cars. Um, so it just changes your mindset. You know, when you're driving here, like last year I was in the GT car, um, and you know, you're watching your back all the time because prototypes are coming down the straightaway, and uh, maybe there's packs of prototypes, and you're trying to pass GTD cars, and the, some of the PC car PC cars with slower guys you can pass, but the faster guys you can't. So it's a really and GTLM is probably the toughest, the toughest to drive at Daytona uh, because of all the things you're doing. The prototype I love because you're always, especially if you're one of the quicker prototypes, you're always passing cars. So you really just gotta look forward. Here at Ganassi, we have great, we have really good spotters, and they're always on top of it. So you, if you got somebody tracking you down, uh, they're telling you really early. So it's, uh, I would say it's a lot easier to drive a prototype around here. More of a comfort level. Yeah, I mean it's just. Well, for the, having the spotters is a huge comfort level, and especially when you have good spotters. These guys do IndyCar and NASCAR, and it's really good what they do, so you have a lot of confidence in them. Is it a different mindset for you coming into this race, knowing you've got the rest of the season with this team, points matter more instead of it just being a one-off? Well, you'd think so, but that's kind of my thing. I just like to win races, you know, so, you know, I, of course, I, I, I came here even before... You know, cognizant of the fact that I was here for one race and we want to win it, but the fact that these guys had to go race for a season and um, you know, I always drive like that. You know, even though it wasn't my championship really in the years past, I was driving like it was. And but when it all comes down to it, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot uh, on the line to win this race. You know, everybody wants to win this race. If you win this race, it's a great start to the season. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot left on the table. <laughs> in the last hour or two of this race if we're there race for the win uh, we'll probably uh, do what we can to win this race and figure it out later well a lot left on the table last year at the roar the five was the fastest car and then they went on to win the race are you going to leave anything on the table at the roar oh uh, we're not you know we're really trying to push here and see what we have i mean i don't think it really makes any sense ultimately to to leave much on the table because a few things i mean this 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 Ford power plant and the, the Ford with this car is only one year old. You saw where this team was last year. They struggled with the roar and they, the strides they made through the year and in the offseason to make this car uh, a lot more dependable. Everything's a lot better, but you know, we still, it's still a fairly fresh package. So for us, we still want to, we want to push this thing. I mean, we want to see what it'll do here in the time, the amount of time we have to run, which isn't a real lot, but still we want to push it and we want to be sure that our race setup is right because, you know, 
there's no reason to be super, super fast and qualify really well if you can't drive a thing for three hours at a time and for 24 hours ultimately. So, you know, our idea is to make sure the car's quick. I mean, that's clear. But, you know, we got to push it. We got to see what the race pace will be. Um, make sure that all the guys can drive it. You know, we're cycling Charlie, who's been here before but hasn't been here for a year. Sage, who has is here last year but hasn't driven a lot in this series. So, I mean, we got we got some things to do. And, um, you know, I, I, we're not leaving anything on the table, that's for sure. Now, for the rest of the guys, you know, we don't know what's going on. But for us, we're, we're pushing. Well, and if anybody's going to push, it's going to be Joey Hand, one of the fastest guys so far on Saturday testing at the Roar. Radio Lamont.com. Radio Lamont.com coverage of the Roar before the 24 continues. And I'm joined now by Michael Shanks. And, Michael, uh, a longtime competitor in the Grand Am. The merger comes through. Mm-hmm. Have a year of everyone running together, new world order. Mm-hmm. And now we see you in a P2 car. This is a big step. Uh, I mean, hell must have froze over. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't have suspected this at the beginning of 14, if I'm being totally honest. But uh, le- we learned all year. We watched a lot. We met people, you know, from the P2 community and, and tried to get an understanding where IMSA together now is headed and um this made the most sense to us going forward and it was not easy because uh, as i've said a million times you know dps you love them or hate them uh got me to where to be even stand here and talk to you today to be honest with you to be fair and we got a big victory out of it a a few but the big one the rolex but um going forward though i got to position my company to stay alive and i felt like that it's going the direction of p2 anyways and uh, we have a couple years before the shakeup happens in 17. So we either did it now or just don't do it. So we opted to do it. And uh, so far, so good. It's not going to be perfect. We're going to have our issues for sure. But the car, the basis uh, between the Honda motor and the um, uh, on-road chassis is really, really good. I mean, we have a very strong foundation. So uh, we will work all year to get the maximum results. You know, we hope to be able to be podium as many as times as we can. Victories come, they come. Um, I, I, the, the big thing I got to say is I just never thought we would be in a P2 car, but it, it worked out. It's so far has been great. So what's been the biggest challenge for you in switching over? Good question. You know, the biggest is the electronics and what the P2 car is capable of. It's just capable of a lot more than we were allowed to be honest in, in DP. We could have had it. We just didn't, we weren't allowed. So getting up to speed on what the car's capabilities are from the team side, the drivers have their own issues, but from a team side, you know, we're not up to speed on what the electronics will give us yet. So that seems to be the biggest area we're spending time on this week testing. We tested for two days, uh, the 5th and 6th of January at West Palm Beach. That was the first time we ran the car, came right to here for the three-day roar, and now we're working on day four today uh, of total time in the car. As I said, December 1, we got the car. It was nothing. It was a million pieces. And, and a week later, we had a whole car, and, I mean, just as worked like that. Boom, boom, boom. So. What made you go with the on-road Honda Good, package? That's a great, great package. Because, you know, Honda would like us to be in a Honda Honda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked uh, the owner of the company, uh, Jacques and uh, Nicolet. And uh, I liked uh, his enthusiasm. I liked uh, uh, the, the passion that he has because he doesn't have to do it. But he loves seeing his cars on track and doing well. And I kind of trusted a lot in that. On top of that, second reason is that car was built ready to go and, and hitting the track now. The HPD car is not. They're working hard to get it up to speed, but they're not there yet. And I went through a development curve last year with the Ford EcoBoost, and I didn't want to do that again. So those two factors made it a, a very easy decision for me. I've been in this long, 22 years. 
Um, I've seen a lot of people try to over-engineer stuff and want to be the rock stars and solving problems. I don't want to be that. I want to take a car, and I want to take it on the track and not have to re-engineer it. Jacques Nicolet is a racer's racer, isn't he? Well, he reminds me. I mean, he's a, he's a you know he's wealthier guy than I am. I think more successful, I should say, more successful, and uh, and he's done really well. But he's he's my kind of guy. I mean, we're built from the same cloth, I think, and uh, that made a big difference for me. And so far, so good on that side. You said Honda'd love to see you in in an HPD. They do bring a lot of engine stability, though. You've got you've got a great foundation in in their knowledge. What kind of help are they giving you? Uh, well, I mean, from a support standpoint, there. I mean, I've just never had so many people surround us to make sure we have what we need. So that part is really good. They bring a lot of knowledge to it too, uh, but an open mindedness to, to to work with us, not against our, you know, just work with us, you know, uh, more than anything. Uh, that part's great. So there's a really good support system around it, and um, that's been refreshing. What would be the ultimate result at the 24 hour? You just look. Going to win it. Just win it. We're going to do everything we can to win. We're going to go home. We've got four days back in the shop next week, and then we have to go to the wind tunnel. The is making us go to the wind tunnel before we come back. That gives us four days in the shop of the most intensive little fact-finding thing. Anything little that will break on this car, that will be my team's job to try to fix because we feel like the, the big stuff on the car, and I'm talking engine, gearbox, uprights, axles, brakes, we think they're all pretty solid. It's the little clamps, the little widgets, the little bolt, that's what's going to hurt us. And so we, we think we have a real chance of winning the race as long as we can control those things. If we can't, then we won't. But, but the car is fast enough. Well, yesterday we spoke with Ed Brown of ESM, and today we found Ryan Dial. And, Ryan, it seemed like yesterday every time I looked you were in that car, but I know that's not the case because there are six guys rotating through one prototype. So uh, what's it like trying to share with that many guys for a three-day test? Well, uh, luckily for us, it Petroni SM, we we knew this was what we were going to face coming in. There was an outside chance we could get the uh, the number one car ready, uh, at least for day three. But we think that's pretty unlikely at this point. So we had a pretty good plan, and you know you can never control the Reds, um, you know. But we're sticking to our timelines, and we're going to make sure every guy gets through. And um, unfortunately, you know, guys will get shorted a little bit, but it'll all even out at the end of the weekend. Um, you know, the car's running very reliably which is, you know, one of the main reasons we stuck with the, the Honda HPD. Um, we got a little bit more speed to find, but, you know, where we've been starting yesterday and where we're at now on, on Saturday morning, uh, we found about a second overnight. So for us, the good thing is uh, we felt that we struggled a little bit on top speed. The, the coupe was always, sorry, the open top was always a little bit draggy and a low downforce. Uh, we seem like we've narrowed the gap, at least there. So now we just have to work on the car, and it's the first time also we've been on the, the Continental Speedway tire, um, not a tire that particularly favors the P2s in cold conditions. So, um, you know, as the temperatures get up and as the grip goes down, we found last year we definitely narrowed the gap, um, kind of naturally narrowed the gap without making any changes. So we're hoping that continues. Um, a little bit of work to do in the car. You know, we need to put in a little bit of a diet. We've been thrashing just to get it all put together, but she's a little fat right now, so... Uh, we know there's more time there, and uh, we're not worried about our speed right now. How much of a difference does the temperature make in that second that you found between yesterday and today? I remember last year we were really struggling when it was cold conditions on this tire, and we, we just we struggled to get tire temperature. The advantage is last year we did four stints on this tire in the race. Um, the disadvantage is in IMSA rules that makes no difference because you can change tires at the same time as fuel. So. Uh, we, we pushed hard last year to try and make that more like the wet rules and do separate. 
Um, that being said, when the temperature comes up, it makes a huge difference for us, especially on the opening laps. Uh, not a problem we really had on the road course tire. Um, but when it's cold at Daytona, it's just it's a treacherous place. Uh, no matter what car you're driving, I think we made half of our changes overnight. Uh, or half of our time was from, from car changes. The other half was probably from rubber on the track. So as long as it keeps rubbering up, and same with race week, then I think we'll just uh, we'll naturally creep up on that gap, make the car better, which we always do here, and uh, hopefully we'll get the Patron cars up front. Well, you mentioned briefly the uh, WEC rules versus the IMSA rules, and of course your main focus this year is the WEC. Is this just a 24-hour test for you guys essentially for uh, when April comes around and you're at Silverstone, or do you guys actually think you can get the win? I mean, on paper, you know, this is a test, but when you have uh, a competitive team and a race-winning team and drivers that are used to being up front, I mean, I know I was pretty frustrated yesterday and uh, you know, that's just your passion about doing this sport. Ultimately, you know, we're here to, to race, and uh, it'd be a very expensive testing session for us. So if we wanted to come here and, and just do a simulation, we, we could do it in February. Uh, we're definitely coming here to, uh, to get a result. Uh, the car's been reliable, and if we can get a little bit more speed out of it, which we, I'm sure we will, um, then, yeah, we're, we're here to win. I mean, we, we put together a team that is capable of winning, and... You know, nobody comes to the racetrack uh, to finish second. And, uh, you know, we're no different. We obviously, in the back of our mind, uh, the biggest goal for us in the month of January will be having two cars finish the 24-hour race. And if you could finish Daytona, you could do Le Mans twice. So um, we're really hoping that we have a good, safe, uh, reliable run. The speed will come. Last year, you put on a hell of a show to finish second at Sebring. You guys are going back there again. You think that this car can get to the victory lane? Yeah, I'm still bitter about last year. I mean, yeah, I love Marino a bit, but that was our race to win. Um, I definitely think, uh, you know, one thing that they did with the P2 cars is add the weight to it. You know, add the weight and add the power. I personally, for Sebring, would rather not have the weight and go back to the power we had last year because the power really does hurt the cars. Um, on the, you know, where we excel is the high-speed stuff. We add weight and make some slower again, so... Yeah, it's hard to tell. We, we tested at Sebring in the, in the Le Mans aero, and we weren't that far off what we ran with the full road course aero of the old car. So uh, we feel like we're going to be quick there. But until we actually go there, we've not run one lap in the road course aero yet. Uh, we'll get that post-Daytona. Um, again, we're, we're not using Sebring and Daytona as uh, practice sessions. We, we could do a lot cheaper ways to, to practice for 12 hours. So now we're going there to win. Uh, we obviously, we, we know it's a good track for the P2 cars. Um, Hondas have always been great around there, you know, notoriously good on bumpy tracks. So always fun to go to Sebring and have a good result. Well, you heard it here first. ESM is not using this uh, session as a test. They are going for the overall victory, a team that does not like to finish second. And hopefully, Ryan, this year you can get the win. One of the big favorites for every race. In the uh, Tudor Sports Car Championship are the Corvettes in the GTM category. And the, one of the favorite drivers on that, in those cars is Jan Magnussen. And Jan, coming into 2015, what are the expectations? You've had a year under your belt with that car. Have you wrung everything out of it, or is there still more to come? No, there's, there's still more to come. Uh, we keep finding little things. There's no big revolution from last year to this year, but uh, we have a lot more data, a lot more experience with the car, so I think we can hopefully get the, the most out of what we have right now uh, a little bit better than last year. 
last year already at this race the car was fast but not reliable but when we uh, when we had those issues sorted out immediately we were winning with the car which is a fantastic good sign so uh, we'll see it's a tough race this 24 hours but we need to come away with more points than we did last year hopefully with a watch but at least with uh, a lot of points how hard is it when you're developing a new car like you had to last year when you're racing with the corporate pressure that you have in the category that you race in where nothing but ultimate step in the podium is considered success well that's uh, i think that's what drives this whole program uh, it's uh, it's a fantastic uh, feeling to be amongst people who, who absolutely knows that that's what we're up against and that's what we must do it uh, motivates you and pushes you further than uh, than you normally would i think last year you were uh, kevin magnuson's father <laughs> this year you're jan magnuson again <laughs> what, do you mind me asking what's happening with kevin well he's uh, obviously it's not a perfect situation but uh, he's now a reserve driver for mclaren and will be uh, spending a lot of time with the team looking over at the situation uh, in 15 being at, he'll be at every race uh, and do the testing that he can but mostly his job uh, this year will be with the development team and in the simulator so uh, and then 2016 is uh, another chance for him but uh, but right now he just needs to keep his head down and do do his job and then uh, and then he'll be back again have you given him any advice i mean you went through that formula 1 ringer yeah no, for sure. We talk about it a lot, but uh, I gave him ad- advice as his dad. I'm not his coach or manager or anything. It's just uh, we talk about things, and uh, I give him my view. I've made a lot of mistakes in my career, and I've tried to explain to him the best I can uh, how to avoid them, but, you know, I didn't listen to my dad either. So, <laughs> <laughs> What makes you more proud, seeing your son on the podium or you on the podium at Le Mans? Uh, my son on the podium. There's no feeling uh, that beats that. Uh, it's a fantastic feeling, like a, a fantastic personal feeling, standing on the podium uh, at Le Mans or even here. But, um, you know, seeing your children succeed is just unlike any other feeling. Two new drivers in the Corvette lineup for Daytona, Simon Pagino, Ryan Briscoe. Familiar entities, though, not, not like they're, they're new guys. They are new guys, but not like they're, they're really new guys. How's, how's that? Uh, uh, what's it like to mesh in with a new guy? Well, you know, uh, on the three car, we have uh, Briscoe back. He was with us last year at Daytona and at Sebring. Um, we'll have him at Lamar also this year and at Petit Lamar. So uh, we, we, we have something to work on where with uh, Simon, who's new to the four car, completely new to the four car and to Corvette. Uh, obviously, there's some time to to try and uh, and get to know everybody and how to work with the team. How do we work compared to where he's coming from in the IndyCars? But you know, both of them are fantastic guys. There's absolutely no issues. They're easy to get along with. They're super, super professional, and the the way that they go about a race weekend and how they try to develop themselves along with the car and gel with the team is just it's so easy. Good luck to you. Thank you.
Coverage of the 2015 Roar Before the 24 continues on RadioLamont.com. And coming up, you won't want to miss our conversation with John Doonan as we talk about Mazda and where they're taking their Sky Active technology this season and in the future. RadioLamont.com. RadioLamont.com coverage of the Roar Before the 24 continues. And joining us now is the man who makes the decisions for Mazda when it comes to racing in the United States, John Doonan. John, uh, welcome to the to the Roar. Uh, you've been a busy man. You didn't get here till till late last night and had quite a journey to get here, didn't you? We sure did, Jim. We had uh, some meetings on the West Coast, had to make the late night flight, and then uh, uh, we had a plan to get here at a certain time, but our uh, left rear tire had another. <laughs> we had a change of sp- uh, a tire out on the I-4, but I told the team this morning I'm going to give them a run for their money. I changed that tire in six minutes, so uh, I might be an over-the-wall guy here soon. But uh, thanks for having me. It's thrilled to be here at Daytona, kick off another season. Thrilled to be part of Radio Lamar. Uh, you guys do a great job of t- helping us tell our story. Well, thank you for that. And you're going to be a big part of the RadioLamont.com and IMSA radio coverage this year. What is it that draws a company like Mazda to this type of racing and to an operation like this? Well, endurance racing, we believe, uh, from a, a marketing story, allows us to uh, put road car product out there to the ultimate test uh, in, in a very extreme environment. Obviously, the distance, um, 24 hours. But uh, the highest of highs in heat and the lowest of lows in, in cold and, and the whole package. So uh, endurance racing as a whole in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship allows us to do that. It's the platform. Um, certainly, uh, we're here to tell a story, and that is a story of reliability and durability. We're in a development program. We're in year two of that and could not be happier with the progress we've made from one year ago today both in straight line speed. I think we gained close to 20 miles an hour on the straightaway, which is massive around here, Um, six to seven seconds in lap time. And I think even more than that, uh, it rewards the effort of engineers in Hiroshima and California at our corporate office here and the men and women at SpeedSource that have been the facilitators of the program for years. And then in the end, you guys help us tell the story at Radio Lamar and uh, to tell it to a worldwide audience. And we're really proud of uh, being a part of the new uh, Radio Lamar and the return of uh, IMSA Radio. The Sky Active Technology, like you said, it's a development program. It's brand new last year. For those that may not be familiar with it, give me the thumbnail of what it is. But more importantly, what steps have you made in that year that have gained, made these wonderful gains that, that you're showing so far in this test? Mazda Skyactive Technology is our philosophy and how we look at building a road car to make it as efficient uh, and as safe as we can for the consumer. Uh, it's not electric. It's not hybrid. It is taking the internal combustion engine, both petrol and diesel powered. It's taking the chassis and optimizing it for safety and rigidity and lightweight uh, materials. Uh, to make the entire package. It's, so that's a whole suite of things that go into making the road car fuel efficient, uh, durable, safe. Uh, it's all of those things put together. That's the road car story. On the motorsports side, this is the laboratory that helps us learn things that certainly a dream of mine would be that some of the things we learn here at the racetrack get applied to future road cars. And so I think 
in this particular program with the diesel um, engine that we've taken and put into uh, basically an off-the-shelf chassis is it came off the assembly line. It went to speed source. They learned how to make it run uh, in, a, in a car. And then we asked it to do three times what it was originally designed to do on a road car. Uh, we've learned about how a road car engine retains heat. And so uh, that was one of the causes of why we were so far off the pace is because, you know, you could run the engine really, really good for a few laps <laughs> and it wouldn't, it wouldn't like that very much. But because we've been able to pull some of the heat out of the engine, uh, we've been able to turn the knob up, if you will, on performance, and that, coupled with all the work the guys did on the chassis side, um, has gotten us to a place that 365 days later, you know, everybody smiles, the car's running every session, every lap of every session, and we're not towing it back to the garage to fix one thing or the other. So what you have here on track at Daytona is a road car story uh, live in public and we do a lot of our testing in public and sometimes that's hard you know <laughs> it's you can uh you can the word embarrassed you know someone could say geez that's got to be embarrassing if you get the right mindset it's not but it's uh, not an easy task you were leading right into my next question the fact that you have been testing in public given the current corporate culture of the world today not just america how hard has it been for for you to keep the folks in the boardroom patient uh, so that we are able to see some of these great gains? It's, it's not easy, as I said, to, to keep everybody patient. However, there's a mindset at Mazda. Uh, you hear it in some of our advertising on, on television. It's, it's courage. It's being creative. It's um, having the conviction to stick with it. And on the motorsport side, we've had a philosophy, and it dates back to the very first time we took a production car to an 84-hour endurance race, and that is to never stop challenging yourself. And everyone at Mazda, there's a corporate culture of that. Many of us are racers ourselves on off weekends, but even more than that, it's a, co a culture of we can be better. We're going to continue to find ways to be better. And when you get that mindset and you, and you have it in the proper perspective, coming out here and, and having the struggles that we had last year in front of God and everybody, <laughs> you know, it, again, it's not easy. But when you have that mindset of saying, this is why we're here. And when, you know, the gentleman I report to, Jim O'Sullivan, the president and CEO of Mazda USA, says that to me, John, that's why we're here. Uh, when my colleagues in Japan uh, say, we know, that's why we're here, we're going to continue to get better. What do we need? What resources do we need? And we don't have a lot of financial resources, I'll be candid. That's why all of our partners mean so much to us. But it's the people resources, it's the knowledge resources that we've been able to apply, and now you're seeing the results. You talked about taking a known quantity in the chassis because you were going to be developing the engine and, and all of the other parts of the process. You didn't just go with normal diesel, though. <laughs> You've, uh, your diesel doesn't come out of the ground, does it? Your diesel comes from a totally different source. It does. We've been very fortunate, number one, to bring the only diesel-powered cars to this championship. And clearly diesel in motorsport has uh, had a tremendous growth over the last decade or so, if you will. But uh, when we brought diesel here, we also wanted to be able to tell a very unique, uh, broader audience story. And we fortunately were introduced through IMSA Green, or at the time the Green Racing Group, uh, to a company 
that was started by Tyson Foods called Dynamic Fuels. And they have taken um, food processing waste, fats and oils from beef and pork and chicken processing, as well as used cooking oils. So, you know, if you go through the drive-thru for lunch and, and you order some French fries, that used cooking oil, after the, you know, the food is, is gone and in the consumer's hands, uh, that's taken and recycled. And the combination of that food processing fat and oil, the used cooking oil, produces the renewable synthetic diesel that we power the cars with. It's as clear as a bottle of water. It doesn't have the typical diesel aromatics. You know, when you, you fill with diesel and you, you get some on your hands and it smells for a week, uh, we don't have that. And uh, the other thing it's done is as soon as the guys put it on the engine on the dyno, it didn't smoke. And, you know, diesel uh, has had a perception of, of dirty diesel for, for years. And clearly our hope is that we can show um, the performance side of it because it's really helped us there and, and the clean aspect of it. And, and, frankly, as the only diesel in the field, we have, uh, as, as Mark Donahue and Roger Penske called it, a little bit unfair advantage because we do get better fuel mileage than most other cars in the, in the field. We won't tell anybody about that. We'll keep that secret between us. The BOP folks will be knocking on your door, right? What are the goals for this year? Improvement was the goal for that year. Box checked. What are the goals for this year? Well, uh, we've brought back a lot of our, our same drivers, so we've got a known quantity there. We've been fortunate enough uh, to bring Jonathan Bombrito back. So we've got a stable of, of horses there. I would say podium finishes, without a doubt. There's going to be tracks like <clears throat> Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca. There's going to be twisty places where we're going to be able to show the combination of the chassis work we did as well as this engine development and how that's going to uh, impact our performance in the field. So um, I'd love to see some podium finishes. It's a little bit of a stretch to see us win in a race, but we do come to the racetrack to win not only uh, with the story that we're telling, but, but uh, to, to show that Mazda can compete with, with the big brands uh, on the racetrack and in the marketplace. So um, Sylvain said it earlier today, you know, bring on Mazda Raceway in May because uh, I think that uh, was a breakout race for us last year, and I think that'll be a, a goal uh, or a box-checking race for us uh, in 2015. Your company, Mazda is the only Japanese manufacturer that's been able to grab the brass ring in France. See this technology ending up at Lasarth someday? So from a diesel perspective, uh, we work very closely with the ACO and the FIA, and, and thanks to, to IMSA and the, the relationship there. Uh, in a P2 platform, diesel's currently not allowed in the rules. And frankly, I don't necessarily see it becoming... Uh, a uh, part of those, those rules down the road. Uh, as you said, uh, that victory in 1991 means the world to this company, and I think we've probably gotten more out of one victory at Le Mans than, than maybe some uh, just from, from the fact that we agreed that we weren't going to stop talking about it until another Asian automaker did it. Uh, so personally, I grew up with the dream of setting foot at Le Mans, and now I've been there eight times, and we've had teams compete there, so we're, we're happy about that. Um, so personally, it would be a dream of mine to be able to take our brand back uh, or, or be part of taking our brand back. Um, where, uh, in terms of category, um, that'll be, 
your guess is as good as mine. But uh, that is in our minds. I would love to see that happen. But right now we're dedicated to the, the North American program and, and putting some, some trophies in the trophy case because of success here. Well, best of luck the rest of the season. Thanks very much, and uh, thanks to all the fans uh, listening to Radio Lamar around the world. Uh, we appreciate them tuning in, and we want to uh, put on a good performance for them. Thank you very much to John Doonan from Mazda telling us about the Sky Active Technology plans for that team in 2015. We'll have more of the RadioLamont.com coverage of the Roar before the 24 shortly. RadioLamont.com Coverage of the Roar before the 24 for 2015 continues. Yesterday, we talked to Tracy Crone about the new prototype effort that Crone Racing has got with its new Liget. Today, we're joined by Nick Janssen. Nick, what's it been like to race with Tracy these last 10 years? I mean, it's been very fortunate for me, obviously, to have such a solid, you know, program to come back to every year i mean as as you know the environment the work environment for drivers professional drivers out there specifically in sports car racing is very iffy and very difficult uh, without you know having a big bag of money bringing along and i've been very fortunate to you know start working with tracy about i think we started working together about 12 years ago when he came through the panels racing school and uh, you know we had a got a good relation and uh, he uh he wanted me to start to work with him on a on a coaching basis, and uh, we, we did that. And uh, we kind of, you know, uh, got a good relationship and uh, trusted each other. And uh, from there on, you know, we just uh, started out racing together, and here we are, you know, and, uh, starting on the eleventh year. So it's uh, been a extremely fun and uh, also successful journey, you know, with uh, three podiums at Le Mans. Uh, several wins in the WC, uh, an overall second in WC and GTAM. And uh, a lot of other, you know, uh, wins like Petit Le Mans and Sebring and, and so on. So been a very successful, uh, you know, journey. So now we're starting a second decade and hope to have uh, another, you know, good, um, good, uh, you know, success in, in the second decade together. Has it been fun to watch his development as a driver? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the the challenge with Tracy is that he's so competitive. Uh, you know, he's been uh, extremely uh, successful, not just in business that, you know, people mainly know him from. Uh, he's also been very, very successful and uh, an extremely good uh, racquetball player. Uh, also, um, you know, been a very, very good scratch golfer, actually. So he has a very, very, you know, <clears throat> competitive mindset. And uh, I think that carries over both in his business world and uh, also obviously into this. And I think that's why it's uh, very exciting to work with him uh, as much as, you know, sometimes it's uh, difficult because if Tracy doesn't come from a racing background, so a lot of times he doesn't have the patience that, you know, is maybe take some time to get you know to a certain you know point especially in the in the early years and uh, early stages when we start coaching he wanted to kind of get to where he's at now the first two months and uh, i tried to explain it to him that you know you, you need to build your basis and the same thing as you build a house you can't build the second floor of a house with just three corners you have to have all four corners in place and that's kind of what we've been working on and i've been you know bringing it along and and tracy you know respond really really well to uh, criticism both positive and negative obviously and I think that's been one of those things that we made I made very clear to me in the beginning that if I'm going to be able to help you and work with you 
you can't take it personal. You have to look at it from a pure professional aspect that, you know, I'm wanting to do this because this is going to make you better, even if you're going to take a while to get to that point. But I know that's what it's going to take for you. So that, that's kind of been, you know, challenged back and forth. He questioned that sometimes, and I have questioned him. And, but, you know, we, we have a, a huge uh, trust for each other. And I think that's why we're still together. And uh, we obviously proven that uh, what we have done so far have worked quite well. So, so it's, uh, it's been a great, great, great uh, relationship. And uh, we obviously have become great friends outside the track you know, over the 10 years as well. So I really, um, you know, both, uh, both enjoy and uh, have, a, have a great time with Tracy out, outside the track. And it's, it's a great friendship. It's really good. How do you like the new prototype? Well, you know, the... The, the new Legier is is absolutely phenomenal car, and all the people that have been involved in that project have done an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a proper race car. You know, if you want, it's um, obviously built to the LMP2 uh, regulations, but uh, the tub and everything is uh, you know built to the the crash um, uh, regulation of a P1 car. And uh, I think the reason why we went with Legier is, uh, one, that they were very, very responsive and listened and uh, showed an interest when we first went to the Legier factory in uh, 2013 in Le Mans uh, week where they are based. And Tracy sat in the mock-up car and he said, well, if I'm going to be able to drive one of these, this going to have to change, this going to have to change, and this going to have to change. And we did the same thing with two other manufacturers. And they said, well, you know, this is the way it's going to be. This is the spec. Unroke looked at it from a different aspect. They listened to Tracy's input and they realized that there's not just Tracy that's that big. They wanted to try to build a car that could fit, you know, as many people and maybe you know as many sizes and you know and stuff like as possible and so they that was one reason why i think uh, we finally went that route plus that they have basically a full year uh, development uh you know up on on the rest of the coupes which i think gonna you know play dividends for us throughout the year uh this track is maybe not uh the best suitable track for for this car because the DP still had a little bit of a you know leg up on us and uh, the main thing for that I think is the the BOP on the <clears throat> on the um, uh, power with the engines are a little different plus that the tire is designed and built for the Daytona prototype so I think that's that's really kind of uh, hurts us here because we have to run the cars very trimmed out from a from a pure downforce perspective but otherwise the the car and the build and the layout in the cockpit is absolutely phenomenal. The, the whole on Roke team should uh, be very proud of what they have you know, created here. It's a great car. What has been the biggest challenge for the team to come to grips with this, with this new car? Uh, you know, fortunately enough, uh, we have had, again, we have had a great support from, from on Roke. Um, they have been to every single test we, we run so far, and uh, we've been uh, dedicated uh, an engineer from, uh, from on Roke for the season. Uh, so he obviously works very closely directly with the factory and with his associates back there with all the data and all the info they get from all other cars across the world. So, so that's a huge help. Uh, the engineering staff and the, the, the cruise, crew guys that we have have uh, you know, plenty of experience from prototype racing, from IndyCar racing, even some of them from Formula One racing. So it absolutely doesn't lack any sort of um, you know, knowledge in, in this team. It's more of learning the new car learning the ins and outs of the car what's going to be more efficient to to get to you know to change something and that, that's more like like anything with with a new car but i think uh, with uh, with the help from the onrock factor with the engineering and stuff they support us with things can also you know help that situation and make it much easier for us 
This team has got a wonderful track record at Le Mans. Can you win with this car? Yes, I have absolutely no doubts that we can win at Le Mans with this car. Uh, obviously, not, not overall, since the P1 cars are there, but in LMP2, I have no doubts that uh, this car is going to be very fast, very reliable, and uh, you know the car to beat there. I really do believe that because they, one of the the goals for Onroak and with the Legia car was to have as much. Um, testing development and reliability sorted out for this car when they went to customers with it for this year uh, they actually ran the 24 hours Le Mans in 2014 with this car they rolled the car out for the very first race in the car's history was at Le Mans 24 hours they were leading the race and what basically failed them to to win was not had nothing to do with the car itself there was unfortunately the power plant in the car that had a little bit of an issue otherwise they were extremely fast reliable and they just also you know speaks huge dimensions about Unroke and uh, and the manufacturer as a whole what they can you know accomplish so we are very proud to be a part of that program now and uh, we want to go to Le Mans and we definitely want to be there and on the podium and hopefully on the on the top step of the podium. Well, the best press releases out of any paddock come from Magnus Racing and John Potter. You are Magnus Racing. You've been behind this program for years and uh, your cars won Sebring last year. You didn't get Daytona though. You've got it in the past. What is it going to take to get that win this year? Uh, probably uh, being ahead of everyone else when we win the race ends. It's usually just to be in our class though. You know, qualify that. Now, you know, it's... Uh, everyone here is Magnus Racing, right? There's 17 of us that are pushing the car to do really well for the 24, and it's a cliche, but it's the truth that it's the ultimate team sport car racing is, and nothing expresses it more than a 24-hour race when a a, a loose bolt or a I mean, the smallest thing could throw you off in 23 hours into an event that you wouldn't have found any other event. So it's, uh, what does it take? It takes teamwork, and we have the right people for that, persistence, uh, the ability to stay up all night, and, uh, and a good car. And you've got two co-drivers that you had with you last year. What sort of advantage does that give you, already having the cohesiveness established between yourself and Andy Lally and, of course, Marco Seafried? Sure. Oh, I've driven with Andy for so many years that, that it's actually, I can, I, 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 well, I should be careful what I say. I get him in trouble. But I've driven with Andy for years. He's a great guy. Marco, we won Seabring together. We also podiumed at Petit Le Mans last year. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a great group of guys. They all know what they're doing, and they all can drive fast when they need to and drive conservative when they need to also. What are you hoping to get out of this test? You know, we're just hoping to shake down the car. It's a, it's a new car. Uh, same style as last year, but it is a new car. So find find little problems now and uh, sort them out. Also always good to just for a little refresher. Daytona, while not the most complicated track we drive, uh, it's, it never hurts to uh, turn a few laps before you come back here. And we get so little practice time at the actual 24. You only have three drivers listed on your car right now. Will you be adding a fourth for the race? Uh, we, we will be adding a fourth for the race. And, and that's he's been determined. But but I, I have to give, you know, you got to have some reason to read the press releases besides the humor. Fair point. Enough. <laughs> uh, what sort of uh, disadvantage is it for that fourth driver not being here for the Roar? Or not being a part of your team for the Roar if you might be here? Uh, we tested here a couple weeks ago, actually, oh. and he was here. Perfect. So, so you're not behind the, the eight ball at all now. No, you're no, going to no. be in full season. So how do you approach Daytona knowing that you have to take the points through? 
It is always the challenge. Uh, you know, that what I actually, my, my quote that I said repeatedly in 2012, the year we won before the race, is to, to win the race doesn't matter. We want to win the championship. And and even though I was really excited to win the race, that was true then and it's still true now and that it is a long grind. And, and that's part of being clean, part of being responsible with the car on track. But uh, fortunately, uh, trying to win the race is, is pretty much aligned with trying to win the season. So we're going to go for both this year. That's a good goal to set, especially to start the 2015 year. It's a modest goal, you know, to win Daytona. We'll probably win Sebring also, Watkins, Glen and Petit, but then a few podiums elsewhere. And and Le Mans, you you know, you don't even need to run there and you'll win it. I wouldn't need a car for that. I'm not going to be that optimistic, (laughs) actually. So, John Potter got a good attitude about this season. Thank you. RadioLamar.com coverage of the Roar continues. I'm uh, in the WeatherTech garage with the two tallest sports car racers in the world. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, that's true. That's got to be true. <laughs> the best, the tallest average for sure for and, for and the best looking. Yeah. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> there, there you go. That would be Lee Keen and Cooper McNeil, who've uh, already weighed in on their opinions on that. Um, the roar testing. You guys have got a pretty good track record here. How are we doing so far? Are you to plan? I'll start with you, Lee. Well, you know, we actually started this year, uh, last year, so we got a great head start, a great program at Alex Job Racing and the WeatherTech car, uh, and, and a couple of good days so far. Uh, pretty much uh, right where we want to be. Uh, mechanically, the car has been great. We got a really good lineup with Shane Van Gisbergen is back with us, and we got Andrew Davis in the car, too. Uh, we're having fun and going fast. Your uh, defending champion a couple times with this car in uh, GTC and and further success after that with the Tudor Sports Car Championship. What are your goals for this year? <clears throat> Go fast and not hit anything. That's the goal every year. Um, it's good to be back with Alex Joe Bracing and have the WeatherTech Porsche underneath us. Um, yeah, so far so good. The weekend is going going our way so far i think we've got the car handling pretty well and everybody's going pretty quick so we've got high expectations come two weeks from now in all seriousness when you have this much experience with a team this much experience with a car what kind of things are you trying to accomplish in a three-day weekend like this is it just fine-tuning and trying to get a jump start on two weeks or are there new things you're trying what what's the game plan well in, in this sport if you're if you're not trying new things you're going backwards uh, there's always something new to do. There's always uh, a tenth here or a tenth there. Some, some ways to go quicker. Um, so it's just about everybody fi- firing on all cylinders and, and doing the best we can and, and keeping the car in one piece as well. 25 years of racing for Alex Joe being celebrated uh, with the 24 Hours of Daytona this year. Is that uh, going to be a special weekend? Yeah, it's very special. Porsche just presented him with a, uh, a little deal, a little award for that. And, I mean, that, that says a lot, 25 years. That's really amazing. You know, he's, he's been around uh, a long time, and he's done everything from drive the 24 to, you know, build a car in his garage and race it in the 24. And, of course, he's won it many times too. So it's a, it's a big deal to be with Alex. Of course, he's a very good race team, but really these endurance races is, is really nobody better than him. So that really puts us as drivers in a good position to, to be in his car. And what about you, Cooper? Uh, a lot, all of your success has, has come racing with Alex. Yeah, Alex is, uh, like Lee said, the best best team in the paddock in in in, uh, in endurance racing. Endurance racing is really his bread and butter. Um, and my dad raced for Alex in 1999, and that's how we he, we formed the relationship between him and I. And uh, it's been it's been good good so far. It's this is our fourth year, and we've had. 
two championships and a third place out of the out of the last three. So we've got high expectations for this year. Good luck, guys. Thank you. Well, Shea Adam, let's put a wrap on day two of the Roar before the 24. An eventful day in the morning session. Byron DeFore in the number 50 car flipped at start-finish, went all the way down to turn one on his roof after blowing a right rear tire. He was out of the car under his own power, was treated and released at the infield care center with some bruises and a bump on his elbow. Also, bad news for the Delta Wing, uh, debris damage from hitting debris right at start finish again caused a spin they don't have enough spares they don't want to risk the spares that they do have so they have called it quits for the test session but they will be back full speed for the rolex 24 at daytona in a couple of weeks taking a look at the times aj allmendinger was fastest up to the end of our daytime sessions in the surprising Liege P2 car. Now, we heard from Michael Shanks earlier in this program that he has switched to P2, and A.J. Allmendinger doing the job and setting the quickest time of 139.418, which is quite comparable to the quick times from yesterday that were set by the Ganassi team. And in PC, it is, as you might expect, the number 54, the core entry, John Bennett, Colin Brown, Mark Wilkins, and Mike Gouet. They are doing a great job. A consistent team. We talked to John Bennett yesterday about that operation, and they are expecting great things. In GT, a little bit of a surprise in GTLM. It was indeed. BMW charging back to the front of the field with Bill Oberlin, Dirk Werner, Augusta Farfus, and Bruno Spangler behind the wheel of the number 25. Now, two of those guys are new to this track. Two are not new, it's fair to say. But uh, they did a great job to hold off Patrick Pile, who finished P2. Patrick is uh, not going to be very happy about that. And it'll be interesting to see in the later sessions and even into tomorrow how he responds to not being first. In the GTD category, we had another surprise. Conrad Motorsports topped the charts in their number 28 Porsche, but not to be outdone, the Viper, the number 93, finished second. The times relatively close, a 47.5 to a 47.8, so there is not much of a gap as you would expect across the GTD field. Hearing from a lot of teams today that they're working through issues with handling and just electrical gremlins, it, it seems to be plaguing the field right now, but as I've told many of their people, stay optimistic, better now than in the race. Well, that's going to take care of our coverage of day two. We're not done today, though. We've got night practice this evening. We're going to hang here, and we're going to get you all the news from that. Check that out in show three, which will be being posted tomorrow. And remember, the whole IMSA season will be live here on RadioLamont.com starting Thursday, the 22nd of January, with practice for the 2015 Rolex 24 at Daytona. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.